0: Hey guys, welcome to the Whiskey and Your Coffee podcast, sharing stories, tools, and words of wisdom to help change the stigma around mental health. Nadine and I are in here today, and we have one of Nadine's dear friends that has been just more than willing to come on and share her story, share the tools she's learned and the way she moved through some difficult challenges in her life. Hopefully her story um, helps you connect, it helps you um, feel a little bit of hope if you're in, um, a situation that's not fun right now. So without further ado, um, I'm happy to introduce to you, Chris Hanna. Um, Hey Chris, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much for being in the podcast and you are out in Pennsylvania right now.
1: Yes. Uh, that's, that's where I live.
0: Oh, okay. And, uh, how long have you been in Pennsylvania? Well, I grew up here, and then when I got married, we moved all over the country, and um, I was at most recently in California, which is where the story sort of begins, and I um, moved to Mount Gretna. I knew it since I was 14. We would ride our bikes every year, and I said, someday I'm going to have a house here, and my friends didn't believe me, and here I am. Oh, that's awesome, and that's in Pennsylvania, right, that you are saying? Yes. Okay. It
1: goes and- to Palmyre.
0: Near Hershey. Near uh, where? Hershey. Hershey. That's okay. We I, about, I'm not very fam- familiar with Pennsylvania, so you know yeah. I, I can't even relate where that's <laughs> at right Central, now. Central
2: Pennsylvania, and Hershey is the the big town where the chocolate's made, and then we grew up three miles east of that, and then Mount Gretna, and Chris and I can joke about this is an enclave of specialness. It <laughs> it is uh, a unique little. Christian, cultural,
0: spiritual resort town outside of our little hometown. Lovely. That's awesome. Well, Chris, go ahead, and um, you mentioned in there that when you moved to California, that was part of where the story started. So I'll, uh, I'll let you share with us what, you, what happened in California and, um, and your son Max's story. Okay, I'll start
1: with him. Um, he was in a, in a, a car accident. Uh, when he was 17, and he was hit head-on by a police car, and he broke his back. So um, he had to wear a back brace that whole summer, and the doctor
2: kept prescribing him opiates. And the third prescription, the doctor said, be careful, these are habit-forming.
1: didn't get the opioids anymore and he started going to Oakland and getting heroin and, that's, and that, that was the end. He, he, he lived, you know, uh, many years after that
0: but barely. He wasn't, he was not present. Right. Um, and he, uh, he got in trouble legally in California and he also had a drug overdose out there with multiple organ failure, and then he got MRSA. He was in the hospital for a while,
1: and uh, I, I, the people that he was living with just dropped him off at the hospital. We didn't even know he was in. I remember that. And he, he, uh, one of my, one of my his friend's mother called me, and said, I hope I'm not out of line, but you should know Max, Max is in the hospital. And so my husband, I was in, I was in Pennsylvania at that by that time because I, of my divorce. Um, but his dad went to the hospital and videotaped him how he was going through withdrawal and um, his. I had to take him. His all his organs failed, so I had to take him for dialysis three times a week um, until he they started working properly. That was here in Pennsylvania. He went to the Penn State
2: Medical Center. Chris, can I jump in just for a couple of points, just because you and I have talked about this so many times and but up until that accident, Max was a star of everything he touched. Academics, sports. Funny. Even I must say his sense of humor was wonderful. He could disarm me. If I was so angry at him and I, I would
1: I would just get so angry with
2: him and he would say something that actually made me laugh. Right. <laughs> he was he was so charismatic. And then so the accident and then the doctors prescribing the opioids that was kind of the textbook part of what's going on in our society these days. But then to jump ahead once you learned that he was in intensive care at the time out in California and you bravely got on a plane, went out there, and as soon as he was stable to go into a regular room, you left with him and brought him back yeah. to Pennsylvania and went in through the ER and basically got him readmitted in, into the dialysis program. And that took such chutzpah <laughs> on your part as the mom to basically go save the day. Yeah, and uh, I, well, I told him when
1: I got him out of the hospital California. I said we're going home tomorrow morning. No parties. No goodbyes to your friends. We're going home, and I'm going to get you into this dialysis program. And then I said to the nurse, "How do I do that?" She said, "Take him to the ER. They they have to give him um, they have to do that do this dialysis." And fortunately, that night there was the nephrologist on duty. Um, because Max was so healthy and young, admit maybe he bumped into the, for, uh, the, there's a huge wait list for, this, um, uh, for the dialysis, but he bumped into the, to the front. And I felt kind of guilty that all those other people, you know, got bumped back. But he, he did it, and I thought, that's it. This is, is going to be the turning point for him. And it wasn't. As soon as he felt better, he,
2: he started, started up again. storm of stuff happening to me. It was his overdose, my, my um, divorce, and then moving 3,000 miles away. Um, it was just really a traumatic time for me. But, um, but can I say that we all lovingly called you Crying Chris and yeah. that how you, you shared your vulnerability, your crises that were in your life to everyone, and I always admired and, and, that because that's
1: for me that's healing i mean it, I like to share my my woes and my, and anything bad i'm not I'm not ashamed at all, and um it helps It's like I'm spreading my my sorrow around.
0: <laughs> Do you think that um sharing Chris helps you move through these challenges easier Absol-
1: absolutely. And why? I, I, I would tell anyone at the, the grocery
0: store clerk. I was going to say I remember the
2: grocery store clerk. Anybody who would listen,
1: I would tell them my story because it somehow alleviated the, the pain.
0: I agree. Do you think that it encouraged other people to be able to share their stories so that they wanted? I have heard. I have heard stories. I once I share,
1: people feel free to share their stories, especially strangers. Um, but I I've I've heard stories that would curl your hair and I thought, Well, I don't really have any problems.
2: Oh. <laughs> right. So after Max stabilized through dialysis, but you said as soon as he felt healthy he started using again. Yes. But you well, went actually not so not so fast because I got after he was cleared from the, the hospital I got him into
1: a program at Karen, it's a rehab, uh, a rehab program, it was very, very expensive and it, 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 Steven Tyler went there and got clean, Liza Minnelli went there and got sober, so um, it's a really, people come from Europe to go there and Max never was going to go to college, so that was his college mm-hmm. and he, um, it was Karen and then after he got
2: released from Karen, they sent him down to Florida. To oh, right. The Renaissance, and that was when he he completely went off the rails. Yeah. So that was basically like a step down program or like a halfway yeah. support so a, we house. Yeah. care
1: called it? Aftercare.
2: Aftercare, but once he got down there, he kind of connected he got with. Got kicked out. Okay.
1: And he he went through a series of sober houses and or halfway houses. And they're a hotbed of drugs. I mean, you could buy your drugs in those houses.
2: Right. And then he also got into relationships with women that were not necessarily healthy, can I say?
1: He said, one time I asked him, I said, why don't you go out with a nice girl? And he said, because I like trashy girls. And I, I said, why?
0: And he said, because they're fun.
1: And I said, "Well, I'm
2: not trashy, and I'm fun. they are more fun." <laughs> oh gosh! He so, also had a baby um, down in
1: Florida. Yes. One girl, he got pregnant, and uh, I'm
2: thank goodness for her. Oh. Uh, I actually flew down with Chris, Nikki. I'm saying, sharing with you that for the for Max's daughter's birth, I. Went down with Chris, and because it was just kind of an overwhelming emotional time, in, in both of our lives, and um, but little Rory came into this world, and she's just precious, and then how how much later did did Max move back up to Pennsylvania? I'm trying to remember. A couple of months later, right? He got yeah, out of Florida. Yeah. He and, went to New Jersey first, okay. which is where Sadie is. His girlfriend lived and
1: they stayed with her for that mom for a while. She couldn't take it. Then I moved them at my house. I couldn't take it. So I got them a, an apartment in Palmyra. And um, then they had a weekend where they were lost. Nobody knew where they were. They had my father's car and my mom had the baby. And nobody could get a hold of them. They, they went on a bender for the whole weekend. It's and then they, they, uh, Sadie's dad came and got him and took him back to New Jersey. He said, I, I've been through this. He, he was a crack addict. He said, I've been through this. I know how to deal with it. I'll get him clean. So they went down to New Jersey for a little while, and then they kicked Max out because of, I don't know, I really never found out why. And he would come here periodically to visit me, and I found evidence that he was using. I found
2: syringes. Um with rappers for the heroin and um, yeah he was he was just he was lost he had an opportunity in florida to get thirty thousand dollars and he just let it go he didn't he didn't answer his attorney's phone calls and they just dropped the case i remember That's max how- said one time that the addiction itself was so much stronger than willpower that he didn't, absolutely he did not want to be an addict but willpower, his willpower could not overcome it.
1: Yeah, it's big. It's bigger than the person. Right. But anyway, um, so then he, he overdosed one, one day, I think it was at night, I think the guy said it was about 10 o'clock at night. He, um, he heard a thud, and he found Max on the kitchen floor, and called the 911, and then they found lots and lots of drugs on him. But um anyway, yep, yeah, that's so that got I got that phone call at two o'clock in the morning and I thought what a waste of a life. I was mad at him at first mm-hmm. and then I just felt so guilty and terrible and now now I look at it as he's not George? he's not at anymore.
0: Yeah. But, wow. It that's a that's a really um Powerful place to come from, Chris. You know, a play, uh, um, a a hard place to get to. You get to, especially saying you know you were mad right away. Were you ever mad at the doctors? Did you find yourself going down that road at all? Yes,
1: I was mad at the doctors, but I do. It was Max's choice. Nobody forced him to do anything. But I am mad at that doctor. Right. Mm-hmm. I never. I never did anything or contacted him, but.
0: And Max was 17 at the time. Yeah. How do you think you were able to move through this? And, and not just like it's over, but continue to move through it. Um,
1: well, I write and I paint um, sometimes or draw. That helps me a lot. Uh, but talking to people, being social is so important to me. I need people around me and i I seek them out, and they're usually the same way they want to be with someone too and i just i I just went to France um with my cousin i wasn't i, I wasn't going to go, and I was in the shower in Texas or in California at my friend's house and i thought why not i I lost a son, my daughter's in Amsterdam, and my I, my i don't have a boyfriend, and my Ex is remarried in California, so he went to France, and it was absolutely wonderful.
2: I'm so proud of you.
0: <laughs> How long I were you in France? Not
1: like me, but I just did it.
0: How long were you in France for, Chris?
1: Well, sadly, for, it was only four days, but I packed a lot of stuff in. My <laughs> cousin has an exhibit at the Louvre, and I was—that was another draw. I thought. Who knows somebody that has an
0: exhibit? Right. <laughs> right, I was like, I didn't even know people were allowed to do that. Yeah, and uh, it
1: was just wonderful. She she was worn out, so she stayed in with some time. But I went over to the Louvre by myself. I wanted to see the Mo- Mona Lisa. I was completely underwhelmed. Um, <laughs> <but the> rent- <laughs>
2: rent- Quick aside. It was wonderful. <laughs> Oh, sorry. It's tiny. Um...
1: It's really small. <laughs> and you can only get like 30 feet away. Right. <laughs> and the day we, day after we left, they closed the Louvre. So I was like, that was good. Yeah, because you know, of the coronavirus. I yeah, right. And I met the editor-in-chief of her magazine. We had cocktails with her. And um, who else? Oh, the curator
0: of the, of the Louvre took Elizabeth and I out for coffee. And he pulled out a sketchbook and he sketched both of us. Oh, wow. That's I'm awesome. Having. Such that a was, cool experience. It was a,
1: it was a great experience. I'm, and we're going to go to Italy at the end of the summer to do restoration on artwork and frescoes. So I've got that to look forward to.
2: This I, is a I new chapter
0: for her. Making for plans
1: helps, helps me. It d- distracts me from m- my troubles.
0: Right. Do you feel like because um, you use the word distraction, and so do you feel like that's not facing something, or do you feel like that's the way that to to slowly move through things that we do have to build things to look forward to?
1: Yeah, I don't. I think I'm coping just fine. Um, I hardly cry anymore. That's okay <laughs> and, to cry. It's okay. It is. But, <laughs> that's what got me through the I mean, that really helps uh helps me anyway when I cry I wear my feelings on my sleeve and it works
0: (laughs) that's great you know and uh, because we talk about that sometimes or I do and about that concept of you know a beach ball when you shove it down it just comes up with more velocity and a lot of us have been told to do that with our feelings our whole life um so I love that you're you know encouraging people to get out there and share and and say, hey, this really helps me, and that's your your tool and your outlet.
1: Correct. It is. Truly really is.
2: And I would say laughter. So, I was. Oh my gosh! Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> and laughter is so important to me. And all my friends make me laugh. My son used to make me laugh. My my
1: granddaughter is she got his sense of humor. And she's only two. She <laughs> says the funniest thing.
2: Tell the story she about said, her getting into the bath recently. About where did the day go? Oh,
1: she she said my my daughter and I were giving her a bath and she looked up. It was a particularly chaotic day, and she looked up at us and she said, "Where did the day go?" <laughs> <laughs> it's rough out there for. Her. The other thing she said, I, I Camille got her these little matchboxes tiny animals in um,
2: matchboxes in Amsterdam. And the one it was a tooth fairy, and she bought me the tin. She said, this must be yours.
1: And I said, no, no, no. That's for when you lose your teeth. You put your tooth in there, put it under your pillow, and the tooth fairy comes and brings you money.
0: She
1: said, that's a good idea. All right, I'm
0: going to start doing that. Oh, that's That's great. You know, laughter is so healing. I've seen different studies and things that are out there that talk about just the power of laughter. And you get that by surrounding yourself with people. So you're having these multiple outlets all, you know, blend together for you for healing.
2: When I was going through a really rough time, I was actually staying with Chris on and off for a while, and we would, with Chris's lead, we would watch Amy Schumer takes and old Saturday Night Live takes before going to bed, Mm -hmm. it was such a good way to end the day, like just two friends sitting on the couch and watching these funny skits, and just going, like you often say, bring some light out of the heaviness, Mm -hmm. and it was a nice way to end the day. That's yeah, that's we, awesome, we had it
1: actually, we had a nice that was a nice visit
0: um, but yeah we, we, we watched movies too oh, oh yeah, a lot of movies <laughs> there's always you know these little things that we forget about to just you know quiet the mind, get you through, get you through some time, so Chris, we've got a few more questions for you that okay. um we'd like to share with the audience these are these are kind of fun ones, so okay, yeah. with with the subject and the topic being mental health, if you were given a billboard and you could put anything on it that you would say, anything that you feel like you've learned from your experience from Max, how you've got through, what would the billboard say? Smile, laugh. Um, I would think that would, that would be my encouragement to anyone, just smile and laugh and, and Talk. that's love awesome it. yep love and it's it. just sometimes it's just that simple
1: yeah
2: love it and then what's your favorite broke in tool I think you've mentioned many of them but if you had a pick the top tool to encourage others to try what would you suggest
1: well I often think you know I think I have a bad and I've been through a lot um, in many ways, I can't even list them now. But um, I, I just try to think of that. Other people have it worse than me, and I. I, don't, I, don't, I that makes me not feel sorry for myself.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I have every right to feel sorry for myself. <laughs> 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 you know, and I think that's an important thing to say as well. Is that there's a, um, a phrase that says if you throw your shoes into a pile of shoes, you'll gladly go and take your own shoes back. And it's yeah. in reference to other people's problems and things like that. But so often it's this comparison of, oh well this happened to me or this happened to me or somebody else has it far worse as compared to still just acknowledging that like if it matters to you, it matters.
1: And it's life.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, life's that, life is Un, unpredictable and
1: not always fair. Mm. But you have to face it and just move forward.
0: Right. You have to sometimes you just have to go to Italy, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm
1: gonna, I said, but it's going to be two weeks. I said, am I going to be bored? And Elizabeth <laughs> said, no, we'll do other things.
2: So.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. And the last question that we have for you is, what does being broken mean to you? Well,
1: I think Nadine just um, told me uh, she was explaining what "broken"
0: means.
1: Mm-hmm. So, are you asking me
0: in or in? Y-N-G? Yeah, broken. Yeah. Just like a good pair of boots, broken. You're, You're not yeah. nope, You're broken. Nope, we don't. Believe, we don't believe in being broken. You know, like. You've, it's it's about learning how to piece yourself back together if you feel broken um, as compared to just you know you've been through some stuff but now you're it's just like your favorite pair of boots you know so what does that mean to you how can you um, intertwine that into your life as compared to some people that feel like when they go through stuff they're broken and they'll never be able to be put back together again
1: but with your analogy uh, of the uh, boots mm-hmm. comfort is what comes to my mind like being comfortable and somewhat settled in your life and it's not very easy um, because I think for me in particular I feel like I've gotten knocked down so many times but I got up
0: and I'm, I'm, live, I'm alive and I'm happy that's awesome. That's so wonderful to hear. Is there is there anything else you or Nadine you guys want to share today from this interview and this, this powerful story that can encourage more people to share?
2: Well, I, there's just this funny thing that I think Chris and I share. We both have a different phase of our life when we used to get dressed up a lot and wear a lot of high heels, <laughs> a lot of social functions and the like, and it was wonderful at that time of life. But she now lives in Mount Gretna, and I live out here in Utah, And but we both still have shelves of beautiful high heels, and sometimes I look down at my snow boots with my cleats on the bottom, and I think, oh my gosh, how life has changed, and Chris always says, living in Mount Gretna, it's not for sissies. <laughs> it just... is not for sissies, but that, I think, has
1: made me strong, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not for sissies, it's, it's a rough life. And I do have all my shoes on shelves. Uh, I, I tell people, I, and it's like I'm, I would just want someone to hear me. I said I used to wear high heels and go to nice restaurants.
0: Wait, you used to do what? <laughs> wear high heels and go where? Go
1: to nice restaurants.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I had this former life, of high heels. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> but I wouldn't trade this for anything. It, it this this is my home. I'm I'm never leaving it.
2: I guess I shouldn't ever say never, but I don't want to because it's mine. And we both, I've... we both had to go through rough circumstances or we all have. And I just, I think that sums it up, Chris. Thank you. Like finding your new comfort zone in snow boots with cleats and yeah, still admiring the old high heels,
0: but letting them go at the same time. Oh, that's awesome. I love that. Well, and we will uh, leave you guys with that one today. So Thanks again for listening. Here's uh, here's to being broken. Until next time. Cheers. Cheers. Bye, Chris. Thank Thank you. Bye.